tonight I want to talk about walking out of the prison of your mind. Walking out of the prison of your mind. I'm going to go primarily to two verses of scripture that I'll go ahead and give you up front and then we're going to also intertwine a few more. I'm going to be teaching first of all out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 through 6, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6, and then we'll go down to the book of Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 16, the book of Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. Tonight, I want to address something that um, this morning as I was praying, I was sensing this in my spirit, and here's what I know about this. I don't know if this is for everybody or for certain people, but what I do know is that it was like the Lord arrested me this morning and said, no, you're not going to preach what you've prepared. The easiest thing for me to do, honestly, would have been to preach what I had already prepared. I worked on it last week. The easiest thing for me to do is say, okay, Lord, this is a good thought, but later, you know, I'm going to preach this. I'm ready to go, but that's not how it works with me. That's not how it works with him. And the Lord began to say, okay, I want you to say this and put this in there and put this in here. So I've put it all together. But I felt like I was addressing heaviness. I felt like I was addressing somebody that is walking with God, but you cannot get out from underneath a heaviness. No matter how hard you try, you, you, you get up and you get knocked down. You take a breath and you get out of breath. You, you move forward and then you stall out. And I just really felt like the Lord was saying that there are people that are good people. They're Christian people. They're, 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 they're worshiping people, but they're stuck somewhere in a place in their mind that they can't get out of. And this is what I know from having been in the prison of my own mind before. I know that you have very few emotions there. I know that you want to feel your way out, but your emotions aren't dependable. Because when you want to feel good, you don't really believe it's gonna last. And when you want to feel bad, it feels too normal. And you know that you shouldn't be feeling that way. And, and God does not assign you to normally feeling bad. God does not assign you to a battle your entire life. There are seasons of battles, but we're not assigned to live on the battlefield. God has pulled every hero of the faith off the battlefield for times of rest. Even took the disciples on a vacation. He did. He even took the disciples on a vacation because he knew the Bible says they were not even taking time to eat. And so he took them on a vacation to rest them. So I want to deal tonight with, with this spirit of heaviness that, some, that sometimes invades our life and our world. And that does not mean we're out of God's will. It does not mean that we're not fighting the good fight of faith. It does not mean that something's wrong with us. And it doesn't even mean the devil is winning. But it means that we're spinning instead of walking. We're, we're, we're grinding instead of instead of moving forward we're we're just trying to get that next foot get a gain a little traction in life and it seems very difficult to do it in that season you know the bible says that we put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and when I, when I understand that, that passage for the spirit of heaviness in Isaiah, then, then I realize
realize, first of all, I know that praise can break you out of that. I know that praise is the thing that breaks the chains. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But I also understand this, that, that if there is a spirit of heaviness, it works two ways. Number one, it means that my spirit, even though I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, my spirit can get weighted down and heavy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It just feels like even though you, you want to raise your hand, you don't feel like raising your hand. You want to pray, but there's just nothing in there coming out. You just can't get in that, 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 that emotion to pray. You want to do warfare, but you're just out of gas, and you don't have any strength left to do warfare. So what I know about the spirit of heaviness is two things. Number one, that my spirit can get heavy. And secondly, that there are spirits from the dark side that are assigned to me to make me heavy spirits of heaviness that have been assigned to me to weigh me down and make me want to quit and give up. So we're going to start in our lesson tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 4. And again, you know, I don't know if this is going to be teaching or preaching. Let's just get into it and see what the Lord has, all right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. If you want to win spiritual warfare, one of the first things you have to give up is the luxury of carnal warfare because it's very convenient. It's much easier to pick up an axe. It's much easier to pick up a spear. You have to give up the right to carnal warfare because it gets in the way of spiritual warfare. And it creates issues and problems that didn't need to be there because the weapons of our warfare, if you're going to fight a spiritual battle, it cannot be fought carnally. If you're going to fight a carnal battle, then go ahead and pick up all the weapons you want. But if you're fighting a spiritual battle and you know it's a spiritual battle, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, mighty in God for five things. When you go into spiritual warfare, whether that's praise or quoting the word, there's a lot of ways to do warfare. You can do it on your knees in prayer. You can do it on your feet in praise. You can do it walking and quoting the scripture. And I've, took, I've taken the Bible and slung it like a sword and quoted scriptures around my house. I've taken oil and put it on the doorpost. I've taken shofars and blown it. And every to the north, the south, the east, and the west, I've put talits over my head and stayed under a tallit for hours at a time pleading the blood of Jesus I mean I've gotten in the prayer lines I've had enough oil slapped on my head to crank a bus I promise you I have done everything I know how to do to, buy, to beat the warfare so the weapons of our warfare regardless of how you are fighting the weapons of warfare are not carnal but they will do these five things the first thing they will do is they will pull down strongholds. The second thing they will do is they will cast down an argument, or the King James says an imagination. They will cast down your imaginations. They will cast down the argument in your mind. And they will also cast down or pull down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And the fourth thing they will do is they will bring every thought into captivity. How many of you are ready for that one? How many of you need that one? God, bring my thoughts back into captivity. Anybody's thought life ever get out of control? And you realize that what you're thinking is toxic. 
You don't want to think it, but you realize that it's a downward spiral. If you keep thinking that way, it's not going to take you up. It's going to take you down. And you know it, and you don't know how to put the brakes on. You don't know how to stop it. So the one thing that it will do is it will bring, help you bring your thoughts back into captivity. And also the final thing is, is it says that it will be to be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is, is fulfilled. And when you read that, punish disobedience, it's like, oh, Lord, I knew it was coming. God's got a big stick and he's going to beat me over the head. That's not what that means at all. Okay, so when we get to that part, I'm going to actually explain all five of these things for you and help you to understand what these are. So let's go to the first one. The first thing that your warfare can do is it can pull down strongholds. Now, that word stronghold is a Greek word because you're reading that obviously in the New Testament. And the Greek word is Ahurama, Ahurama in, in Greek, Ahurama. And what Ahurama means is to hold something safely. Now, now this word can be implied in many different circumstances. It can apply to a fortified city, meaning that I'm in the castle and there's a big moat and there's a big city around me. And Ahuru, Ahurama means that no one can get into this stronghold because I am well protected. I'm well defended. But where it finds its most common usage is not there. Where it finds its most common usage is in debates, which means I've got you now. I've got you, I've got this argument sold up. I've got you so pinned against the wall. I've given you so many trick questions, you can't find the answer now. I got you. And that's where Ahurama gets its, gets its word for stronghold. I have pinned you down with words. I have captured you with words to the point that you have no answer now because all you can do is think of my words. And think about this in wrestling. If, you, if you've ever been a wrestler in high school or in college, think about wrestling that, that when you get someone in a stronghold, they cannot move, and particularly a headlock because this refers to the mind. So think about someone in a headlock. By the way, you guys are all safe. I'm not gonna illustrate that one. I know last week, man. I pulled you right up here, William, and a few of you guys, but, but tonight you're safe, right? Nobody's going to get put in a headlock, especially you, because I couldn't get you in a headlock. I put you in a headlock. You're going to flip me over your knee, all right? So for, for, we're not going there. But think about somebody getting you in a headlock, and that's what the devil says. I've got you. I've got your mind. You cannot move. I have frozen you. All I have to do is push a couple of buttons and I can shut you down in your own mind. And if I can shut you down in your mind, I can shut down your emotions and I can shut down your, pro your productivity because I've got you in a headlock. So the Bible says that the first thing that warfare can do is it will pull you out of that headlock. And I'm gonna show you in a moment how to do that. But I'm gonna pull you out of that argument. The diatribe has come. The, the argument is there and I'm stuck because I have no answer to defend myself because the words have tied me up in a knot and I don't even know what to say back now but the Bible says that warfare will pull down those strongholds warfare will get you out of the headlock it'll pull you out of the fortified city and it'll pull you down from the words that are tying you up Thank you so much for supporting our ministry 
If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. So the next thing it says that it will do is it will cast down imaginations or arguments. So I, I, I used to, I don't do much of this anymore, but back in my early days, uh, I was a, a counselor for the American Association of Christian Counselors, and then uh, our church got too big, and honestly, I'm way out of practice now, but, but that was something that I used to do, and I had a phrase that I used with some of my clients called crazy tapes, and crazy tapes, if you've probably, everyone in this room has experienced it before, it's that phrase that won't turn off, and it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling around your head. It's the one thing you wish you could quit hearing. It's the one phrase or the one voice that you wish you could just shut off. Well, that's part of this warfare. It is casting down those arguments, those, those voices that I cannot get shut down. That phrase that keeps haunting me over and over. You're never going to amount to anything. You're, ne you're never going to be good at anything. I've got you this time. All those things. I've got you right where I want you. All those crazy, all, all those fearful thoughts that go through our head that keep playing over and over and over. See, that's exactly what Goliath, who was a spirit of intimidation, that's exactly what Goliath was doing. Goliath was intimidating the army of Israel so that if anybody ever did step out to fight him, their knees would be knocking so hard that he knew he could beat them in battle because he had them so beat down verbally that even if he had to come against them in battle, he knew he could beat them because they couldn't concentrate. They would not be on their A game. So the Bible says that for 40 days, Goliath taunted them day and night. Now, if he only said it one time in the morning and one time at night for 40 days, how many times is that? 80 times. And that's what we know. We can count that. I mean, he could have done it 800 times, but what we know is that over and over and over, he said the same thing to the point of intimidating everybody. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to put a phrase in your head that you cannot get rid of. He wants to say something about you or about your future or about your relationships or about your life. You know, no one's ever going to love you. You're going to be lonely the rest of your life. I could go on and on and on. Their list is endless of the things that the enemy has done to intimidate God's people and keep Keep them below their potential. He wants you in a prison of your mind. So he has this, he has this intimidation. Do you know, does anybody know when the first time the word fear is ever used in the Bible? The first time it's ever used in the word fear. Adam and Eve are hiding from God. And they said, we were afraid because we're naked. And God said, wait a minute. I never told you that. You have been naked since the day you were born. That's never been a problem. So he said, who told you that? Who told you you were naked? The first time the word fear is used in the Bible is because Satan told someone something about themselves that they believed. 
Satan told them something about them and they believed the words and that is where the, he got a stronghold of fear on the first two people that were ever created because he said something to them and it changed their mind about their future and it changed their mind about how they saw each other and themselves. So fear was introduced over something Satan said that got to their ears and they believed it. Now here's the third thing. It says that warfare will bring down every argument. What is the argument about? Now he says every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So here's the argument. God's not gonna take care of you. That's the argument right there. God don't care about you. God's gonna let you die sick. God's gonna let you die lonely. God's gonna let you be poor. God's gonna let you rot. God's, gonna, God's not going to defend you. God's not gonna help you. God's not on your side. That's the argument. The argument is, well, God's gonna do whatever he wants to do, and I'm just doomed for it. That's the argument. Well, he didn't help you last time, did he? He didn't help you last time. If God's really for you, that would have happened to you. I know, I know I'm the only one that's ever heard those kind of things before in my head, but it's like, if God really loved you, that wouldn't have happened to you, and that wouldn't have happened, and that person wouldn't have got, got, wouldn't have got the advantage of you if God really loved you. So this argument is every thought that is against God God and God's nature, that God is love, that God is good, that God is a father, that you are his children, that God is a provider. So the enemy attacks all of those. He's attacking the character of God in our mind. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I, I was just, you know, browsing around today on the internet trying to look up some things about this lesson tonight and what little free time I had. And I come across something that's 10 signs that you have been spiritually, that you're under a spiritual attack. All right. And um, so listen, listen to this because I, I thought this was very, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting to me. First of all, if you're feeling discouraged, defeated, or depressed, it's a sign that you could be under a spiritual attack. If you have a loss of spiritual desire, means I just don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of praying. I've worshiped enough. I'm just tired. I, a loss of spiritual desire. I know I've tried it and it's just not working for me. That kind of thing. Physical fatigue without explanation. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm sleeping, I'm resting, I'm eating, I'm taking my vitamins, you know, I'm drinking my hibiscus tea, and I'm still stressed out. So what's going on? My blood pressure's still up, and I'm still, you know, I, I, I just a physical attack without explanation that's not ordinary. Um, the fourth one is doubting God's goodness. Doubting, well, God's just going to do what he wants to do anyway. Why, why should I give my whole life to him? Doubting God's goodness. Negative, disturbing thoughts. Just condescending thoughts that never quit playing in your head. Just negativity that never goes away. The sixth one is thinking about going back to your old lifestyle. Why don't I just go back? I mean, that was the temptation of Israel. Why don't I just go back? The, the seventh one is old emotional wounds of the past get triggered and anger rises up. You know what? You can always tell a trigger because it either shuts you down or lights you up. That's the, that's the way you know. Some people, it, they implode, others explode. If you implode, you just shut down. If you explode, you just blow up. 
And so you can always tell when someone's fear has been triggered. And so that's also a sign of spiritual attack. Now, how many of you know, before I, before I finish this, I'm not going to give the devil any credit that he doesn't deserve. How many of you know that every spiritual attack is him trying to prevent you from something great that God is getting ready to do in your life? He sees angels gathering. He sees good things happening. He is trying to stop progress. He's, he's you know, if, if you're not doing anything, you're no threat to the devil. He could care less what you're doing. He comes against those that are doing the work of the Lord so that he can stop the work of the Lord. His attack is against God. He, he doesn't care about you. His attack is against God and the kingdom of God. So battling feelings of guilt, condemnation, and shame is number eight. And number nine is feelings of rejection, belonging, loneliness uh, are being heightened and you just feel isolated and alone like no one cares and you're all by yourself. And then finally, the tenth was the tenth the tenth one is, that's hard to say fast, confusion over what you believe. Man, I just don't know if I believe that anymore. I've believed that my whole life. I'm just not so sure if I believe that anymore. So that's the tenth uh, one of the one of the symptoms that you are under a spiritual attack. All right, so here's the fourth thing. We're gonna we're gonna go bring all these together and then I'm gonna pull you out of this. I'm not going to leave you. I'm, I'm identifying it right now, but I'm not going to leave you there. I promise you there is a way out, and we're going to talk about that too. So the next thing is the scripture says that your warfare will bring every thought into captivity. Now, David defeated the giant by what was in his bag. He had five stones. Five is the number of grace. God sent him to the brook with courage and confidence. He picked up five smooth stones, and he beat the giant with what was in his bag. So I want to ask you a question. What's in your bag? What do you have just for days of war? What is it? Do you have scriptures that you claim? Do you have a life verse? Does anybody have a life verse? I have a life verse. And I got my life verse in battle. I don't, I don't talk about this very much because I've always been, for the most part, a very upbeat, highly energetic person. I've always been a very positive person, have a great outlook on life for the most part. But I, I went to a period of time where I was getting burnout in ministry. My church was running thousands of people in St. Louis, and I was also doing, I had church trainer, which was blowing up, and I was training thousands of pastors at the same time. I was just doing so much that after a while, I kind of hit the wall, and I was, I, I found myself hating hating what I used to love. And when you start hating the thing you used to love, you know you're in trouble. And, and I, I decided to go to a counselor, and I chose a Presbyterian counselor because I knew they wouldn't know me, right? So I read in the Pentecostal circles, and I thought, yeah, you, no, you're not going to know who I am, and you've never heard of this big 5,000-person church. You've never heard of us before. You're over there. And so I went to this person, and, I, and they asked me a question. They said, who do you work for? I said, well, I work for God. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. You don't work for God. You work for people. I said, no, I don't. Oh, yes, you do. Because everything you've told me is about you're worried about letting people down. And what, I'd, what had happened to me, and I know this will never happen to you, but I got addicted to saying yes. I couldn't say no. I got addicted to, peep, to pleasing everybody and I lost my boundaries, and the person I lost the most was me. I mean, I didn't even know who Brian was. I knew Dr. Cutshaw was. I knew who Bishop Cutshaw was. I knew who Pastor B was. I knew all those guys, but the person I did not know was Brian. I lost him somewhere in the mix. 
He, he just, he just kind of took a back seat. And it's because I had lost my boundaries. And I realized that all the devil had to do is get me so busy that I wore myself out and I was no good for anybody. I started making poor decisions. I started getting sloppy. And then I just didn't care anymore because after a while I was stuck in a prison of my mind. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.